Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God. All right. If you got your notes out there, we've been doing this on Wednesday evening. It's a time when we believe that there is a need for us to create an atmosphere for the presence of God and the healing power of God. As a matter of fact, his name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord Physician, our great healer. And just a note, we should understand, it's not us. We did not make the covenant of healing. He did. We didn't come up with it. He did. He revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha in his name, his covenant names. He reveals who he is and what he does. And Jehovah Rapha means he is our healer. Our great physician, we could say it that way. So we acknowledge that, we believe that. And you know what? The thing about this, about that is this. When we're healthy, we don't think too much about it or the need for it. But I'll tell you what, when you're not healthy and when you get sick and you're challenged in your physical body, then you go, oh, Lord, <laughs> hallelujah, Jehovah Rapha, where are you? Right? You want healing. You want to be whole. And so it's important that we recognize this statement to be true. Don't wait to get faith until you need it get it before you need it build it develop it in your life before you need it then when you need it it'll be there can you say amen so we're talking about seven truths that will help change our destiny help develop a life of faith as a matter of fact the example that we've been using is found uh, in the old testament when the israelites failed to enter into the promised land under Moses' leadership. And the official reason, Hebrews 3 verse 19 tells us, is because of what? Unbelief is what kept them out. Not the giants, not the walls. What kept them out? Unbelief kept them out of the promised land. Well, under the leadership of Joshua, they entered into the promised land, but 40 years later. Well, the question is this. If that generation under Moses didn't enter in, and we know it's because of unbelief, and they all died from 20 years on up, what did God use to have Joshua teach the 19-year-olds and under faith? What are the steps that he used to teach them faith? If they got in, we should follow that example, right? And remember, Joshua and Caleb were the two that said, we can do it, but the others said we can't. So the first thing we talked about, number one, just as a quick review, is the enemy has been defeated. Our enemy is to be viewed as being defeated. Even sickness and disease at the cross has been defeated by Jesus. He bore our sickness. He carried our pains. And with his stripes, we were healed, right? So it's been defeated. Well, if that's been defeated, if the devil's been defeated, which, of course, Jesus came to undo, outdo, and overdo the works of the devil, which he did, what does that mean about Jesus? He's undefeated. He is the champion. Amen? He's the undefeated champion of the world. Praise God. And we need to look to him. Number two, not only is the enemy defeated, we have a covenant with God. 
A covenant means that God has made specific promises that he negotiated as a covenant head with Jesus himself that he will back up with blood. In other words, with his own life. He will die rather than break a covenant. So no matter what he said he would do, he promised he will do it. Now, when you teach along these lines of faith, and I've been accused of this myself, I know you don't believe that, but I have been confused about this myself. It's taken it to an extreme, like as if I'm saying, we got God in our hip pocket, we just tell him what to do, and he'll do whatever we say. No, no, no. God's a sovereign God, they say. He'll do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, if he wants. Really? I'm glad you said that. Because you're right. But guess what he wanted to do? He wanted us to know that we could have faith in him so that he would bind himself to his word so that when he makes a promise, he cannot in any way renege on that promise. Why? So we can have faith. Where do you see that? Hebrews chapter 6. You could read it for yourself. 19 right on through. You can see it 619, but even from 12 on through 19, you could see it. It says that God swore by himself and he cannot lie. So once he makes a promise, as he made to David, he said... My covenant, I won't break. I won't even alter the word that got out of my mouth. So the people that say, but God's sovereign, he can do what he wants. Yes, he does. And he did it. And what he did was made a covenant. For example, we always use this. Can he destroy the earth by a flood ever again? No, no the answer is yes. He can. But will he? No. Why not? Because he made a covenant promise. Right? So he can't. He can, but he won't. That's how we're to view it. If he didn't want to do that, he didn't have to. He's God. So in his sovereignty, he made a covenant with us that he will honor and never break one word that's gone out of his mouth so that you and I can have faith. Otherwise, we can't have faith if he could change it. Number three, remember your deliverance, where you were, where you are, and how you got there. All of us, are, we are to remember that. Where, what, where, where were they? They were in Egypt, in slavery, in bondage. Where are they? They're at the edge of the promised land. How they get there? On their own efforts? Absolutely not. God did it for them. God brought them out. It took a series of staggering miracles that brought Egypt to its very foundation. <laughs> That's what it took. And God did it on their behalf. And then God's glory rested upon them. A cloud by day, a fire by night. And then God's supply, God's provision was upon them. 4,500 tons of man out of heaven every single day. 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every single day to provide for their provisional needs. They had that glory with them the whole time. Resting upon them. But the time came that they were to believe God's word. And guess what? We can't do it. We're too weak. They're too strong. They're too big. You know, we're grasshoppers in their sight. And also we're grasshoppers in our sight. So what did God say? You want to die in the wilderness? As you spoke in my ears, so shall it be. And what is that? Teaching unbelief. That's exactly what they were taught. Unbelief. We can't do it. Okay. So remember how we got out. Where were we? In bondage to Satan and the kingdom of darkness. That's where we were. How we get out? By the works of Jesus. By the finished works of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Could we have done that on our own? Absolutely not. No way. If God didn't want us out, <laughs> we wouldn't be out. If he's willing to get us out, why would he not provide for us? As he said that he would do for them. Right? Absolutely. He said there's a promised land. Well, guess what? We're out of that kingdom and we're in Christ in the kingdom of light. And thank God we have every provision in Christ Jesus. All things that pertain to life and godliness belong to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And how did that happen? Not, not by our efforts or performance, but by his. So, next. It is a new day, was number four. A new day. God's no longer going to be an enabler. He's not going to uh, just put it on a silver platter. He's not going to spoon feed them anymore. No, no, it's a new day. A new relationship with God. You're going to believe God now. And so what's our new day? Jesus said, in that day you shall ask me nothing, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it you. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. It's a new day, a new relationship with God, a day of salvation, a day in which we have the victory in Christ already over all things. It's up to us to, to, to exercise our faith in what he has provided for us. And all that he's provided for us belongs to us. It's a better covenant established upon better promises than what the Israelites had. And it's up to us to enforce our rights. As a matter of fact, if you go back in the book of Joshua, you see this. I think it's chapter 18. I could be mistaken, but if, it could be around 18, verse 3, 4, 5, right on through there. Joshua said, what are you waiting for? How long is it going to take for you to get in there and inherit your, your promised land? Five of the 12 tribes of Israel got in and took their land. But seven of them, they were lazy. And they didn't want to get up and possess the land. And remember, we are told, when you come to the land, possess the land and dwell in the land. Come to it, possess it, and dwell in it. Have you come to Christ? Yeah. Then you possess all things that pertain to life and godliness? Now walk in it. He said, in other words, live in it. Well, they didn't do that. He said, look, you're being slothful, you're being lazy. And remember what Hebrews said, Hebrews 6.12? Don't be slothful, but be diligent. So that through faith and patience you inherit the promise. So those seven tribes had to get up and get out and move on and inherit what belonged to them. So what good is it if it's yours but you don't ex experience it? If you don't experience it, it's not going to do any good. I don't want to know that I've been healed by stripes. I want to be healed by stripes. <laughs> what about you? I don't want to know I'm just the temple of God. I want to be filled with God because I am his temple. I want the fullness of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. Isn't that what we all should want? Yes. Amen. All right. We're making our way to number five. We are not alone. The book of Joshua, chapter five. This is where this teaching comes from. Chapter five and chapter six. These, this teaching comes before the walls came down. This is how the walls came down. So in Joshua chapter five. Okay. Verse... 13. And we're going to read through 15. And let's see. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword uh, drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord unto his servants? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did it. How many of you know that wasn't just an angel? Amen. It was an angel of the Lord. Because you see, no angel ever said, take off your feet. Or your shoes off your feet and bow to me. 
Well, legally the feet on air, but not the shoes. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, in other words, he was saying that where you see the Lord and you see it capitalized like that, the Lord, he's saying either Jehovah or I am. I am. The great I am was manifesting himself and saying, look, you're not alone. I am here for you and I will defend you and I will fight for you. So it's important to know this fifth step is so important. We're not alone when it comes to the battles and uh, challenges of life. We're not alone. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to see that when we're going through that. But the point he's making is we're not alone. The captain of the hosts of the army of the living God is on our side. So when you notes, under point A, and this is found in Exodus 14, verses 13 to 16. We'll look at that in a moment. Pharaoh decides to pursue the Israelites and get back the silver and the gold that he sent the Israelites out with. In other words, he's going to chase them down. After he came, of course, to his own personal senses, which were wrong, he decided, well, hey, I can't let them go with all this. No, there's no, no way. I'm not going to do that. So he chases them down. Now, why is that important for us to know? Because we get saved, we're brought out of darkness, we're brought into the light. You think the enemy's just going to let you go? You think he's not going to hunt you down? Remember Jesus said this, when the devil's gone out of a man, he'll go into dry places seeking rest and finding none. But then after he'll say, hmm, I'm going to go back into the house, my house, he called it his house, that he was kicked out of. And take up occupancy once again. And bring in others even worse than himself. So what he wants is to chase us down and find out what we're made of. We're born again, spirit filled, faith walking, tongue talking, armor bearing, devil resisting. Children of the living God, right? Living epistles of the living Christ, known and read of all men. That's who we are. But he's going to say, I want to see how tough you are. He will chase us down. Try to chase us down with sickness and disease. For example, I'll never forget this. Years ago... Right around the time I first got saved, there was some, and started teaching it in a, my father's basement. I was teaching Bible studies, teaching on healing and all that. And this one person came up to me and said, you know what? I was never sick until I started listening to you teach about healing. I hear you teach about healing and all of a sudden, boom, I'm attacked. Why do you think that is? What did Jesus say about when you first hear the word? immediately comes the devil to steal the word that was sown in your heart. Immediately. He doesn't want that seed of God's word to take root and produce fruit in your life. So as long as she wasn't hearing that kind of teaching, he left her alone. But the moment she heard that kind of teaching, he goes, uh-oh, I got to get her before she wreaks havoc with my kingdom. Now, in the book of Exodus we see this here, chapter 14, verse 13. All right, one more page. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. The Lord, the great I Am, shall fight for you. Let's just have a picnic on that right there. <laughs> I'd rather have a picnic when the devil's a dog. 
Okay. Words of wisdom from Aaron. The Lord shall fight for you. Say with me, the Lord shall fight for me. Say it this way, the Lord fights for me. Oh, hallelujah. How about this way, the great I am fights for me. Wow. And you shall hold your peace. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over of the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So now we have the picture of the enemy chasing them from behind. They are right now locked in by the Red Sea. No, no way to go forward, no time to build a bridge, no time to build a boat, no time to have an airplane build or a helicopter or anything like that. They got the Egyptians behind them, chasing them down. The mountainous country on the other side of them, what are they going to do? They appeal to God and God says, what are, you, what are you crying out to me for? You got the rod, use it, is what he told them. But in your notes, Pharaoh decides to pursue the Israelites to get back what he lost. B, as they approached the Red Sea, the Israelites realized the Egyptian army was close, is your word, and they were trapped. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt trapped in some situation? And it seems like the one that's close to you is not the Lord, but the devil that's chasing you down, close behind, and now you find yourself trapped. Well, here's the advice that Moses gave, or you could say it came from God, but Moses said it this way. Under point C, number one, fear not. Fear not. Well, that's easier said on paper, isn't it? Than when you're challenged with something like a sickness or a disease that could possibly be life-threatening. You know, when Andrew was born in the hospital and they told us that he can't live, there's a tendency to be a little bit afraid to hear those words from professionals, right? Wow. That's when you're backed into a corner. That's when you're up against the Red Sea. That's when man says, there's nothing we could do for him to live. It's impossible for him to live. He can die in your arms. He can die in surgery. Take your pick. Not good choices. And the tendency is to be afraid. But you know what? You could have the feelings of fear all around you and still speak the word. And still speak it in faith. And we said, do what you have to do. We believe, and God will do his part. Number two, he said, this is, this is from these verses of scripture, take a stand or a position of faith. Stand still. You know the verse in Psalm 46 and verse 10 that says, be still and know that I am God. This is what he's saying. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Remember. God's on our side. We're not alone. Don't be afraid. Stand still. Take a position of faith. We can take one of fear or we can take one of faith. We can take one of belief or we can take one of doubt. But he says, don't. Don't doubt. Believe. Stand your ground. Stand in faith. Number three, look. See the salvation of God. Look at the salvation of God. Easier said than done on paper, obviously, right? But look at the salvation of God. How do we apply that? Remember in the book of Numbers 21 when it talked about how when they were bit by the serpents and then uh, they were told, Moses was told to put up a serpent on a pole 
And anyone who looks, the word look means to behold with an absorbent, steady absorbent gaze, attentively, expectantly, with a steady absorbing gaze. Look at the salvation. You could look at the Red Sea. You could look at the enemy behind you. But he says, no, look at your salvation. Look at your deliverer. Look at that serpent on a pole which represents Christ becoming the curse and bearing our sickness and carrying our pain. Look at that and not what you see here and see the salvation that belongs to you. And the Bible went on to say that those that looked, God healed, and those that didn't, they died. That's pretty cut and dry, wouldn't you say? So whose responsibility was it to look at the salvation that God provided? Them. But what a challenge. If you're bit by a venomous beast on your ankle... Where are you looking? Mm -hmm. Do you remember when Paul was on the island and he got bit by that serpent, that snake he shook off? Remember that? The people kept looking at his bite, waiting for him to swell up and die, but Paul kept looking at his salvation and shook it off. Right? There's an option. There's a choice that we have to make. Once again, it's not an easy one because our feelings and emotions get involved, but they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Okay, so your word there is look. Next one, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. Hmm. Who would I rather have fight for me? The Lord or the lady I saw over the weekend on CrossFit's? Her, they call her the beast, who broke the world record for uh, picking up a dumbbell like this and pressing it that way, that weighed 170 pounds with one hand. And then, to break her own record that she just broke, she said, let me try five more. And she did 175 pounds. I'd still rather have the Lord fight for me. I wouldn't mess with her, but I would still have, have the Lord fight for me. What about you? He's stronger than that. You see, the thing is, they weren't looking at who was on their side under Moses' leadership. They weren't looking at the fact that they're not alone under Moses' leadership. You're not alone. He told them that he would send an angel before them. He told them they would drive them out of the land. He told them that they would give them the victory already, but they would not believe that. But under Joshua, a new group of people, a new breed of faith people were raised up and they were taught these principles and praise God, they got in. Okay, then, hold your peace means don't worry is your next word. Don't worry. Again, all these things are easier said than done. Worry, fret, anxiety comes against us from every direction when we find ourselves in a very precarious situation and a challenging situation. Okay, so don't worry. But trust God is your next word. Trust God and rest in Him. Trust God and rest in Him. Believe His word and watch Him work. Believe His word and watch Him work. In other words, stand back, sit back and watch God work on your behalf. Watch God move on your behalf. You don't have to fight in this battle. The battle's the Lord's and the victory is yours. Just sit back and watch. That's the beauty of it. God can do what we can't do, no matter how difficult the situation is. So can you imagine him telling them to do that? And the rod is stretched forth. We're talking about the sea, the Red Sea. 
and it parts. The waters congealed. Sometimes we might think there's like a little path like this aisle right here. Uh Uh-uh. We're talking about three and a half million people to get through that path. Can you imagine how wide that thing was and how the waters were congealed means frozen like ice on either side of them? And they just begin to walk across on dry land. There's no dry land under under a sea. But God dried it up. And if it's correct, I've done some study on this. If it's correct, can you imagine that God, you think it was an accident that he led them to the only place where they could actually cross without having a problem? What do you mean? Well, when you're getting across, if you went to the sea and it's going down this way, and then you got to go and then up this way. But apparently he led them right to the spot where it was more even. It was more shallow. And instead of a grade that went down like that, it was more like this. And so we're... Well, at least I read this once again. You don't know how much is true on the internet. But anyhow, they said when they found the wheels of the Egyptian, you know, chariots, that where the path was here, but they were down on the other side, which was much deeper and lower. You think God knew what he was doing? So stand and watch and see the salvation of God. So when they got across on the other side, they turned around and they watched the salvation of God. He said, you know, you look at them now because you're not going to see them anymore. And they all died. God wants us to get our eyes and focus and attention on him and not the problem. That's what he's trying to tell us. As difficult as it might be, God wants our eyes on him. He wants us to trust him, not worry, but rest in him and watch him believe and watch him work. Verse 15, he said, but now look, tell the children of Israel. God said this. What are you crying out to me for, Moses? Tell the children of Israel to move forward. You know, those waters would not part until they stepped into them. And when they stepped into those waters, that's when they began to part. Okay, so hold your peace. Don't worry, but believe God. Verse 15, go forward. Don't retreat. Don't surrender is your word. Don't surrender. Keep believing in is your next word. Keep meditating on, is your next word, and confessing God's word. Keep believing in, meditating on, and confessing God's word. Don't give up no matter how impossible things appear. Going forward is not, and here they are, list them, murmuring. Ouch. It's not murmuring. It's not complaining. Mm. It's not talking negative. It's not meditating on the problem or the natural report. These things involve going backward. They involve going backward, not forward. Did you get all those words? Anybody need to repeat anything? Okay, I'll do it again. Uh, Start from verse 15, where it says that surrender, don't surrender. Keep believing. Next one is meditating. Next one is confessing. Going forward is not murmuring. 
complaining, talking negative. It's not meditating on the problem or the natural report. These things involve going backward. Okay, so under Moses' leadership, they get to the same place at the promised land. And what do they do? Murmur, complain, talk negative. That's what they did. And what did God say to them? How long am I going to bear with this evil congregation? Imagine that. You saw my works. You saw my wonders in Egypt. You know what that means? The ten plagues they saw in Egypt shook the greatest nation, the most powerful nation on earth to its foundation. And what were those ten plagues? Those ten plagues defied every god, false god, that the Egyptians believed in. Their gods were to protect them from the lights, from the frogs, from the this, from the all the plagues. They were to be protected by their gods. And the last one being death of the firstborn which was their greatest. So God proved himself to be greater than all the gods of the Egyptians. And finally, when that last one took place and they lost their firstborn and they were absolutely bereaved over what took place, they just let them go and gave them all the money. God brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among their tribe, which means what? He healed them all. Now you can imagine two and a half million people, not one person having arthritis or something. Especially being in slavery. But they were brought out by a mighty hand, mighty work of God. And he said, you forgot, have you forgot what I've done? You saw these miracles. You saw the manna, you saw the water. You saw everything I did for you. Air conditioning during the day, to, the cloud to do what? Protect them from the rays of the sun. At night when it gets cold, my fire provided light for you and heat for you and warmth for you. You saw a super, imagine this, 40 years of seeing this you think at one point they would start believing God for something but they didn't so God raised up a new generation and he says how long is it going to be till you believe my word now since you don't believe my word you're not getting in but Joshua and Caleb they're going to get in because they believe the word now in the book of Deuteronomy we see something also similar to all this this is Moses once again before his death, he addresses a new generation. And look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, different perspective, basically saying similar things. And look what he says. We're learning how not to make the same mistake the Israelites made under the leadership of Moses, but to follow the faith of Joshua and Caleb and this new generation. Before his death, Moses addresses a new generation of Israelites, reminding them of how their fathers were defeated. You know, there's ways to learn how to win, but there's also things we could learn about defeat, so that we're not defeated. In verse 29, Then I said unto you, Dread not, or fear not, neither be afraid of them. I told you not to be afraid. I told you not to be afraid, but they were afraid. And as a result, what happens when we fear? Did Job not say, the fear I greatly feared has come upon me? 
In other words, faith opens up the door to God's activity, but fear opens up the door to the enemy's activity. Now, having feelings of fear doesn't mean we succumb to fear. It could be all around us and we can have feelings of fear, but that doesn't mean we succumb to it just because we feel it. We can still stand and, and proclaim our faith and declare it. Like I said, in that, that hospital, when they told us he's going to die, and we had fear all around us, but no, we just said, no, you go ahead and do what you have to do. We believe God. You think Paul wasn't somewhat afraid on the ship, on the boat, when it was about to go down and you're out there on the sea, and, and all the skilled you know, sailors and all that, we're going down, we're going to die, and that's all there is to it. And he said, no, no, we're not. It's going to be as God spoke to me. But when you're in a situation like that, it can be quite fearful. So don't be afraid. Fear opens up the door to the enemy and allows him to have his way. Well then, uh, that's defeated and afraid. In verse 30, God will fight for you as you saw. Notice the word saw here in Egypt. Verse 30. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before Notice this, your eyes. This isn't hearsay. Well, so-and-so said something. No, you saw it. You saw what God did. Can you imagine standing before the Red Sea and watching it part? What an amazing act of God's awesome power. You spring a leak in your hose or something and, you know, maybe even your, some plumbing in your house and the water is just coming out and water's heavy. Isn't it? Is God that strong? A whole sea to hold it up the way he did? And then, can you imagine the blow dryer that he had to dry that thing up? Whew. One of Dante's favorite scriptures was in Psalms 18 when it talked about fire came out of his nostrils. Remember that one? Fire would come out of his nostrils. Wow. It dried up immediately and they went across on dry land. You saw this is what he's saying to them. How can you not believe me? Okay. Well, so your word is saw. Their father saw the miracles and the awesome power of God in operation. And as he fought for them then, so he will fight for them now. And that's exactly what he said he would do for them. So when they got to the promised land, they should have realized that God said he would fight for us. Okay, verse 31. Uh, and in the wilderness where thou hast seen, notice again, they saw how the Lord thy God bare thee as a man that bear a son in all the way that ye went until ye came into this place. So, again, verse 31, they saw, saw how God cared for them. The food, the water, the protection, preserving, is your next word, preserving them from all that hurts. All this proved, is your next word, that they had nothing to fear, no matter how impossible or difficult the situation was. We need to sit in classes like this all the time. We need to hear words like this all the time. Why? We live in a culture that is absolutely deteriorating right before our very eyes. Is it not? 
They're calling evil good and good evil right before our very eyes. We are smacked right between the eyes with what? Fear, worry, doubt, unbelief on a constant, continuous basis, whether it's on TV, whether it's on the internet, or whether it's in, in, in a paper that you read, or a magazine, or whatever it might be. A culture is being shaped and formed, how? By what the media says is right, and what the media says is wrong. What psychologists say is right, what they say is wrong. You know, first of all, I thought we would never get to a place that you wouldn't know if you're a male or a female. Whoever would have thought that. But now, it's a non-gender, you're a they. There's someone that call me they, I'm they. They. It's like an it. Maybe the monsters had it right, cousin it. Cousin it. No? You don't think so? All right. Well... We need the word constantly being poured into our hearts and minds so that we can feed on it in such a way. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing and hearing and hearing. Not having heard, but hearing and hearing and hearing. This never gets old to me. This teaching right here never gets old to me. I have to remind myself constantly that the promise of the promised land belongs to me. We're heirs of promise. God made promises to us. The gospel doesn't benefit us if we don't what? Act, mix faith with it. So the promises of God have got to be acted upon so that by faith we release the promise to manifest in our lives. So the whole gospel doesn't benefit anybody if they don't mix faith with it. And this is how we mix faith with it. Okay, and proved that they had nothing to fear. Verse 32. Let's read that one. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Okay, verse number 4. They refused to believe God would fight for them. Second word, defend them. Next word, preserve them. And finally, protect them. They refused to believe it. Now, Joshua and Caleb didn't. But those other ones? Can you imagine being one of those ten spies, the leaders of the tribes that went out to spy out the land, and you come back, just as God said? How about this? They believed everything about it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It's all great. It's all good and all that. I understand that they had a... These grapes were so big, it was unbelievable. They had to carry one guy in the front, one guy in the back, and put them on a stick, and they were so big. Okay. It flows with milk and honey. And they came back and they said, it's a land that flows. I've never seen fruit like this. And remember, they're eating manna for 40 years and drinking water. Bread and water, like you're in prison for 40 years. Bread and water, that's all you get. They go in this place and they see the vegetables, they see the trees that they didn't plant, the olive vineyards that they didn't plant, and so on, and the grapes and everything else, all these wonderful things in this land. And they come out and they say, yes, yes, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. But we can't get in. There's giants. There's walled cities. They're so thick. There's no way they're pen you, could be, you can penetrate them. That's, that was it. Can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. It's almost unthinkable. Of course, we could talk on this end of it, but if you were there, how would you have acted? How would I have acted? I would have said, I would have, I would have taken it. I said, I take it. You would have said that, Aaron? I said, I take it in the name of Jesus. I take it. I'm going to have it. 
<laughs> All right, that settles it right there. He's going to take it. He's going to have it. That's the right attitude. It's mine. It's yours. It belongs to us, right? They couldn't believe that God would fight for them and defend them after he did all that fighting and defending along the way as he made all the provisions. So now here it is. You could give up the manna. You could give up the water. You can get into the fruit of the land. You can feast on that. And there's all kinds of wonderful things to drink there. You can just be blessed beyond measure. But yet, what do you say? The giants are too big and we're too small. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. And in our sight. There it is. God says, as you spoke in my ears, it'll be done to you. And Joshua and Caleb said, uh-uh, don't do that. They're bread for us. How about that? What a, what a difference. What an attitude difference. See, when they criticize the ministry of faith, I don't know what they're thinking. The majority is not right, probably 95% of the time. The minority said, we can't. Out of two and a half to three million people, two rose up and said, we can do it because God is on our side. So what were they looking at? They were looking at the problem. They were looking at the difficulty, the challenges. And those giants, those ites that were in the land, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, and so on, all those ites in the land, pick out a, one of those flyers on the way out, one of those articles on the way out, you can pick it up for yourself. And they're emotional giants that come against the human mind, those names mean something, compromise, fear, and anxiety, worry, all those things, you, those giants represent. It wasn't that they were strong, but you see, it was a mental thing. And so they couldn't believe it. They couldn't get beyond seeing that God's bigger than them. So what were they looking at? Not what God said to look at. He said, look at your salvation. They wouldn't look at their salvation. They wouldn't look back to the cross to get healed. They wouldn't look at the serpent on a pole to get healed. They looked at the problem and magnified it above God. Number five, verse 33. God personally mapped out their journey from his vantage point, And the fire provided light and warmth. The cloud provided protection from the scorching sun. So here we have, your words are light, warmth, and protection. Verse 33. Who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night, to show you by what way you should go, and in a cloud by day. That was heat, heat, heating and air conditioning provided by God. And literally, it really was. It provided heat at night and Protection from the sun, the scorching sun by day. God was right there. And every single day, this is every day he's doing this for them. In other words, the glory is resting on them every single day. They're watching manifestations of the power and glory of God on a daily basis that are literally, tangibly manifested. <laughs> People like to have that one time. But every day for 40 years? Think about it. And water coming out of a rock? Do you realize how much 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every day is? Wow. But you've got 3 million people that you've got to provide you know, for. That's a lot. All right, number 6, verse 34. Let's read it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying... Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear. What did he do? 
I swear, wow, to give unto your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he had trodden upon and to his children, because he has wholly followed the Lord. In your notes, number six, Moses reveals the cause of their parents' undoing. And what was that? Unbelief. Unbelief. He could not get them to believe. And if you go back to verse 27, it confirms two things. And ye murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. This is unbelievable. Oh, he hates us. I know he brought you out and did all those wonderful things for you. Air conditioning, heating, cooling and all that. And gave you food and drink and all that every day for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, and he hates you. Because the Lord hates us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Can you imagine that mindset? And verse 27 confirms their rebellion and unbelief. Their rebellion and unbelief. He's reminiscing what took place. They were rebels. They rebelled against God. They were full of unbelief. And that kept them out. And then in verses 35, I just read those. So most, Moses reveals why and how Joshua and Caleb will enter the promised land. <clears throat> in Numbers 13, 30, that's what Caleb said. He said, you know what? We can do it. God's on our side. But then, Numbers 14, verse 9, reveals Joshua's statement. And what he says, they're bread for us. We can get in. God will fight for us. So, they both knew they were not alone. Say with me, I'm not alone. I am not alone. God is on my side. He is with me. He is for me. He is in me. And he's on my side. And that God would fight for them. You see, they knew that. So whatever struggle that we're going through, whatever challenge we're going through, even physically or emotionally, we need to constantly bombard our minds with these facts. This is number five. We're not alone. You're not going through this thing alone. Whether it's a bereavement, whether it's a, a child that's being challenged with something, whatever it might be, we're not alone. Whether it's a physical situation, I am not alone. God wants me to know my enemy has been defeated. I've got a covenant with a covenant-keeping God who will honor His Word, which is why I've got to get into it and find out what it says, whatever the promise might be. Remember how you got to where you're at. God brought you out. God brought me out with a mighty hand. It took what? His son to be sacrificed to bring us out. And if he spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? How shall we not do that? We need to renew our minds to that and maintain that kind of focus before our minds to see our salvation. And then, praise God, it's a brand new day that we're living in where we've got a better relationship with God than what they had back then. And we are not alone. Now, the rest of it, these are just examples of God fighting for his people. You know, the first one there, Second Chronicles, is Jehoshaphat and how God defended them. And then the other one, the 185,000, were killed by the plague that rebelled against the people of God. Then the Lord removed the chariot wheels from off the, you know, the chariots of the people that were, once again, coming against the Lord. So they're, I mean, his people. So, going down to number three, we'll just give you the verses, I mean, the words. In... Romans 8, I just quoted that, 31, 32. If God be for us, who could be against us? 
He didn't spare his son, how shall he not give us all things? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Matter of fact, highlight that one. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. I try to give this to everybody that's going to have a surgical procedure. I always try to give this, especially from the Amplified Bible. The latter part of verse 5 says, For he had said, I will not, I will not, I will not, by any degree. I'll say that again. I will not, I will not, I will not, by any degree, leave you or forsake you, that you may boldly say, For God said that I may boldly say. Say with me, God said, God said that, I may say. that I may say. So what did he say? I will not, I will not, I will not ever leave you or forsake you, that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Say with me, the Lord is my helper. Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. Say it again, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. I say it because he said he will never leave me nor forsake me by any degree. Oh, anything we say must be rooted and grounded in what God hath said. He said it, so praise God. So your words at the bottom of that is, the key is having the ability to see that God is on our side. Ready is your first word. Ready. Second one is willing. He's ready. He's willing. And the last one is eagerly yearning to fight for us. He's ready, willing, and eagerly yearning to fight for us. Glory. So whatever it is that we're facing, that we go through in this life, we're not to lean on our own understanding, but we are to trust Him with all of our heart. That He will do what He said He would do. Even though the enemy wants to blind our minds and make us think He's not actively involved in what we're going through, God wants us to know he will not, He will not, He will not ever break His covenant promise. He will make it good so that we can say, The Lord's my helper. And you know, as I think about that, I almost think about what, I, what we told the doctors. We could have focused on, He could die in your arms, or He could die in, the surger, in surgery. And we said, We believe God. You do your part, and we believe God. And by the way, he'll be 20 years old this month. So, thank God for that. Amen. 20 years old this month. Praise God. So, all right. Let's all stand together before the Lord.